Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today, we're going to talk to Mike Puckett in Boone, North Carolina, about reaching students who'll reach the world. On um, the vision of No Place Left, and we started uh, taking the principles of, you know, we call it the uh, working through the brutal facts um, that you can't really know what you're aiming for until you know, you know, you can't fix the problem until you know what the problem really is. And the problem we're talking about is lostness. And so it's pretty radical on our campus, even in, in the American South, um, where we're in a small rural area. Um, it's, a, it's a fairly conservative community around us, but the college campus and the little downtown environment around it is uh, not at all uh, mm. like anything around it. And so it is pretty radically lost. Um, mm. it, it's almost surprising these days when we find someone on campus who is a committed follower of Jesus and not just somebody who has some cultural background, but even those with cultural background who still claim Christ are, are fairly few and far between. And so um, what, we, what we started doing was, was crunching the numbers. Okay, if we have 19,000 students on our college campus and we want to reach, you know, we, we want to reach them all so they all have had the opportunity to hear the gospel and respond to it personally. Well, I personally can't do that enough. We did the math and we found out that I think this was a couple of years ago, but um, Scott and Anna and I were the the local team leading the ministry. Um, we would have to share the gospel with something like 40 people per day each, every day of the semester in order for every student on campus to hear the gospel. Mm. Um, that's, you know, one every 20 minutes or so, or one every 10 minutes if we're not, if we're actually making time for sleep. And so we really did that math and saw how ridiculous it was to try to, to come up with that. But it helped build the conviction that if we're going to really reach uh, and saturate our, our mission field with the gospel, even as small and manageable as that community is, we must multiply ourselves. Mm. Um, and, and this is when we started, uh, this is when we started shifting from just being a little discipleship group on campus to identifying our work as church, that we are being church together and we're reproducing healthy biblical church um, as we see it in Acts 2 and throughout the New Testament. And so as we started identifying and functioning as a church, um, we began owning the need for multiplying ministry, that it's not enough for us to gather uh, however many students, you know, X marks the spot, however, you know, the fill in the blank on number of students that we could have with us who are sharing the gospel a certain number of times per week. That would never be enough. It would be more encouraging to have more students with us sharing the gospel a uh, certain number of times per week. You know, if everybody's sharing the gospel five times a week um, and, you know, we have 10 versus 50, it's more encouraging to have 50 who are doing it, but it's still not enough, still not enough. Um, and what it does is it forces us to see that um, we are not, we can't leave our strategy of four fields to just the fourth field that we're starting and gathering a church or that we're adding new churches as we go. Um, what we realize is time is of the essence in a collegiate setting. You know, they're, they're here at best for four years um, that we, we actually connect with them. More and more these days are only here for a couple of years, um, or at least by the time we connect with them on campus. We're seeing 
this place is not a place that retains people either. They're always leaving, you know, every, every semester, there are hundreds and hundreds who leave this area and never really come back for any substantial time. Uh, so what it became, what became clear to us was that trying to do this work, any kind of work, but particularly trying to do multiplying ministry, starting churches on the college campus, was like trying to start a church in an airport. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can go park there. You can ride the shuttle in. Um, there's, there's food. People, there are places where people are resting or relaxing as best they can, you know, and, and a little discomfort. And they're really close to other people. And so they're really good at blocking other people out. Um, but everybody who's there is there for a purpose. Um, and their purpose is to go somewhere else, to go do something else, mm. likely never to see the people around them again. You know, a lot of people don't make best friends in the airport. Um, and that's, that's sort of the scene that we find ourselves in. And so it has forced us in, in more recent days to begin shifting our focus for ministry away from, well, can we start a church? Can we start a church that, well, yeah, it loses people every year, but then it gains some new people. And so it's just this sort of conveyor belt of people in this one church. Um, well, then at the same time, if we start a thousand churches, you know, or let's be more realistic, if we start 15 churches, on campus, little simple churches uh, led by students. Um, eventually, the people leading those things are going to leave, and so then what are we left with? So it poses all sorts of missiological problems for us when we're when we're working in such a transient environment with young people who don't have a strong background in faith or in the Bible or anything like that. So it, it really cho- forces us to focus in on what we spend our time on. Um, and what's become clear is that in the process of four fields and five parts, the entry, gospel, discipleship, uh, church, and leadership development, this work on college campus um, is, uh, is a field five kind of ministry more than anything else, that, that we have this really unique time, uh, this, this opportunity to bring people along with us. We can reach students who are, are more open now than they'll ever be in the rest of their lives mm-hmm. uh, to hearing about the gospel, receiving it, following Jesus, and orienting their life around him for the rest of their lives. This is the moment where they're most likely to make that kind of a decision and set their path on that, uh, in that, on that trajectory uh, for the rest of their lives. Um, but what we're seeing, too, is that for those who are following Jesus and uh, want to follow him and get, the, get as much as they can out of being close with him, identifying with him, and uh, engaging in his mission, we're having to be clear about our identity, that that's who we are, that's what we're about. Um, and then we begin, to, we begin to look at every student like they have a countdown timer around their neck of how much time we have with them. And whether or not they're currently a believer, you're seeing them through the eyes of, when you say field five, where our job is to multiply leaders out of this university environment who make disciples and plant churches. So it's... That's right. This is... Um, this is Church Planter Boot Camp. That's right. So tell us, and maybe there's a story um, of an example of, of how you solved that problem of uh, somebody who's come to know Christ or maybe they're already a believer, but you've mobilized, trained to mobilize them to make disciples and plant churches while they're at the university. You got an yeah, there, yeah there, are two, there are two examples that I can think of. One is... Um, one is a little bit uh, a longer process, 
um, that, uh, that, that I can speak to. And then the other has been, um, the fruit of, um, gosh, really it happened without us even knowing it. Um, you know, so I can, I can, um, share the first one with you. I've got a student who is in his second year in university here. Um, he's the only believer in his entire family. Mm -hmm. He is, um, he came to faith somewhere in middle school. Um, and, uh, it was a friend, uh, leader of his that, that had worked with him in youth ministry that connected us. So we met together, shared a little bit about what we were, what we were doing in our ministry here. He was interested in being involved, um, had been a leader in his, in his group, um, that he'd come out of before he came to university. And he, um, he seemed pretty interested in what we were doing. We had clarified pretty clearly what we were, what we were, what we were not. Um, you know, we're here to make disciples and start churches um, and uh, multiply leaders. And, and uh, we, we knew the no place left vision and what its implications were at this point. So all this stuff is pretty clear. Um, he gets involved with us and we just start seeing faithfulness out of him from a, from a really uh, early, from a really early time frame. Um, mm-hmm. that as we would, we would say, Hey, we're, we're aiming to, share the gospel with two or three people a week at this point, um, per person, you know? And so we're asking him as a, as a brand new student to do that. Um, he's sharing the gospel. He's what, sharing the gospel what, with what's people. What's his name, uh, Puck? Yeah. His name is Matthew. His name Matthew. is Matthew. Okay. Yeah. Um, he, he's, uh, like a, like a little son to me guys. He's just an incredible, he's an incredible leader as a 19 year old already. Um, and so Matthew is, um, He's out sharing the gospel, you know, and we're asking students, hey, make time to go out for an hour or two a week. And if you make time for that, you'll be able to share the gospel with two or three people if you're being intentional with it. And so we're just starting simple, starting really easily, pretty low bar, and we're taking them with us. And so he would start going with me. He'd start going with other people. Um, But then I started noticing a trend. Matthew started going out, sharing the gospel on other days. Mm -hmm. And then there, you know, he's getting halfway through his first semester as a freshman. Um, and, uh, I start catching that he's out four or five different days a week sharing the gospel with people. And, uh, he mentioned one day in the, in the midst of that, as we were talking, he said, you know, some of these other guys that are a part of the ministry, um, they're, you know, they've become friends with him as well. They've got these different hobbies. You know, this one likes to work on cars. The other one works on his motorcycle and this other one likes to play basketball or whatever. I don't really have a hobby, but I think sharing the gospel is my hobby. Mm-hmm. And, and that just, you know, I tried to keep it inside just how proud and excited and uh, kind of shocked that I was uh, at this. And then as the semester winds on, he says, Hey, Hey Puck, can we, can we talk um, sometime soon? I need to talk to you about time management. And we sit down and we start talking about time management. And he, he shares with me um, about how he's, he's taking the maximum load that the university will allow without having to get special permission. Um, in his first semester. So he's pretty overloaded with courses. Um, but then he starts to share with me as he shows me his actual calendar, he's meeting with eight different people one-on-one for follow-up discipleship. A few of them are believers that are existing mm-hmm. believers that he's training. Most of them are not yet believers. And he's taking them through um, what we call a discovery Bible study process, sharing stories about Jesus. Um, and then what we start to see are these people start coming to Christ a little mm-hmm. at a time, you know, one after mm-hmm. another. Um, and uh, he's just really genuine in this pursuit. And the question he had about time management was, it was not, well, it, really the question was, what do I do with all these people? And um, 
now my schedule is so full. I don't think I have time to go out and share the gospel anymore. And if I do, I certainly don't have time to start meeting with another person one-on-one every week. Mm. What do I do? Yeah. And so I remember this moment like it was yesterday. We're sitting in the little cafeteria area in the student union. And I look at him and kind of give him like a little, you know, look out of the side of my eye, say, Matthew, I think you're about to start our very first church. (laughs) And, And his face uh, it was priceless. I mean, it's really hard to describe what he looked like, but his eyes got a little big, you know, he got quiet, which is, which is uncommon. And, um, you know, he, uh, he's just like the heaviness hit him. Yeah. Wow. Wait, what? And we discovered together. It was so, it's so incredible to help him discover how a church is born mm. and, uh, you know, that it was born out of the harvest and out of the, mm. the work that he was doing that, Farmers don't just go out and plant seeds just to plant seeds. They do it because they're motivated by the harvest because they're, they're hungry or they need to make money or some combination of both. You know, we're motivated for the harvest and he, he has been working towards that end, but he didn't see the end goal. He just needed to get started. And as the process grew on him, as it got messier, he needed to know what came next. And so that I think was the moment where, um, you know, I'm, I'm no fisherman, um, but, but I know the, the concept of, you know, letting a fish take the bait and then letting it really get a good grip before you pull back on the reel to set the hook. And I think that was when the hook was set with him was that he realized, oh, this is what it's all about. Yeah, this is it. And so it's just been an ongoing rollout with him to see this begin to uh, begin to draw him in. And he's seeing his identity and it's not because he's a part of our ministry. Um, now we're just trying to equip him and shepherd him and, and see, um, I wonder what Paul thought when he discovered Timothy. Yeah. You know, I wonder what he thought. What did, what did he do with him? Um, and, and, Timothy and how can we wouldn't have been much when Paul first met him would not have been much older than 19, probably younger. Yeah, absolutely. And that has given me a lot of encouragement to see that. Well, and let's and just stay with, um, with Matt. Sure. How, how did that work out? How he, he, Obviously, if he's meeting with them individually, they don't necessarily know each other, but they, he formed them into a church start. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and uh, it's, it's been difficult in this setting to, to gather um, anything. To, we can function as church in a healthy way, but in terms of, of a church grabbing its own identity and letting that be something that helps it sustain itself mm-hmm. – um, that's been difficult because it, what we're finding is in a college campus setting, these are all people who are uprooted from somewhere else mm-hmm. by and large. You know, there are some locals who go to school here, um, but they even kind of stay off to themselves and do their own thing. And so your average student in our university has no relationship with anyone who's yeah. showing up here. They're from all over the state. It might mm-hmm. be all from, you know, some parts of the region. And then there are a few who come in either from across the country or across the world. But for the most part, they don't know their roommates. They don't know their apartment mates. They don't know their, their uh, hall mates in their dorms. Um, you know, they have no idea who their neighbors are. And uh, they never talk to their classmates. And so you, you take that reality that they don't have any existing relationship, even weak ties with the people around them. Um, and then you compound it with the fact that they have a really difficult time communicating with each other and connecting uh, everything is done through Snapchat and social media and all these kinds yeah. of things these days um, that it, there is very little in the way of what we call an oikos here. 
Mm. It's very, very little. So that has become a, a very difficult challenge for us um, to help people um, identify with those around them. You, when you're, you're, we're reaching individuals. I mean, we have yet to okay. reach anyone beyond just the individual. So Matthew has been fighting through that and trying to figure out how to keep people together as he's gathering them into, into church. And we haven't found the answer to that yet. Um, but what we have seen is that he has grown in his convictions uh, for what we're doing for, for um, not just the process that we use, but the principles behind it. Um, and, and so it's the principles that have really, I think, grabbed him in the same way that they've grabbed me and Anna and Scott as well. Um, and they are, uh, they're what anchor us even when things don't go the way we feel like they should. Hmm. Um, and so we've watched little churches start, um, and then crumble. Uh, it it happens, uh, pretty, pretty quickly sometimes. And, uh, and, and what we find is that if we're more focused on the leaders who are leading those churches, helping them learn through that process, making sure they see Jesus has already given you the authority you need to make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey, gather them into healthy church. He's given you the authority to do that. Mm. And so we want to help you walk through it and learn to be, uh, to be good leaders, to learn to be good practitioners, to learn from things that are falling apart or things that aren't, aren't as, uh, as good as we would like them to be. Um, that's helped them become more confident in who they are. Um, and that's where I think that field five work has come out. And that's, that's how I see somebody like Matthew or, or others like him in our work. So decide gospels happening. People are coming to faith. That's right. Yes. Just through Matthew, eight, eight people, whereas you, you hardly saw eight gospel shares in a year. Um, exactly. Um, discipleship's happening. Uh, groups are forming as church starts, and it's a battle. That's right. But you're still staying focused on that task because that's what Jesus has commanded us to do. But you're, you're staying focused on we're growing a leader here through these challenges. Um, so we're sticking, sticking with it because it's right, um, but the reality is people are disconnected and it's hard. The glue's not always there for church formation. That's right. Are you seeing any churches form that are um, cohering? Yeah, we've had a couple that have um, have started. In fact, the other the other uh, story I alluded to um, is a couple of freshman girls, uh, Paige and Paige and Julia. Mm-hmm. They just joined our our uh, our ministry, our church on campus, the very beginning of the school year, um, just just in August of this year. And we had this interesting moment where um, one day we were talking about church identity and church formation in our weekly meeting. It was during some practice time that we had. We, we used the three-thirds as our format for everything that we do when we meet. That's our process or our pattern for, um, for our meetings. And, and so we were going through some practice time together where I was sharing a tool with them and then having them practice it with one another. And the tool we were sharing was... Um, the, uh, the handy guide to a healthy church start. And so it answers the who, what, when, where, and, and why about church. 
um, to begin identifying a new one uh, clearly and, and uh, concisely. And so we started talking about how, well, we're a church already. We've already done this. And this is how we do it. Uh, this is how we begin to identify and, and um, you know, name a church, essentially. Call it what it is. Um, and, uh, and one of the girls speaks up and says, well, so we already have identified as a church here. You know, she's missed that whole process because she mm-hmm. just came in this semester. Uh, I said, yeah, we did. And, uh, you know, I wasn't, she was new. So you never really know whether somebody's on target or not, whether they are really yeah. excited about what we're doing or questioning it or whatever. And, uh, and, and I said, yeah, we're, we're, we did that. She said, what did that look like? Thought, oh boy, are we about to have a fight here? <laughs> and, um, and I explained a little bit about what that looked like and said, this is the tool that we use. And, um, and she said, well, do you have that on paper somewhere or like at a, you know, is there somewhere you can point me to, to see that? Um, and, uh, you know, I told her we would get that to her. Uh, and, and then she makes a comment. She says, um, yeah, I want to make sure that I get my hands on that because I want to go reproduce it with our church that we started in our dorm. <laughs> Whoa, hold on a minute. What? <laughs> they have started a church. Two freshman girls have gathered people together and identified them as a church um, together uh, in their freshman dorm. And so they're meeting. They call it Lounge Church, and it meets mm-hmm. in the lounge of their dorm hall. Mm-hmm. And what they've done is they've started with a, a strategy of reaching some friends and neighbors that live uh, on their hall and in their building, and they meet on a weekly basis. And, mm-hmm. and what I heard them say was, well, we're trying to take what we're seeing and doing here in our church each week on Tuesday nights and, and then reproduce that with other people. Now, I don't know a single person that's a part of their church other than those two girls yeah. who are leading it. Um, you know, and they're, they're just sort of facilitating, um, this same three thirds pattern and the same tools and principles and things like that. Um, and what has been really encouraging about that is they just started right from the beginning of their, of their lives in school together. They're both believers and their roommates. Um, they have seen themselves as the house of peace on their own hall. Yeah. And they've begun to gather the people who are there where no one has anything but weak ties on their, on their hall. And so they're trying to leverage that and give people a place to connect. Um, and, uh, and at this point it's, you know, it's, it's beginning to last longer than, you know, six weeks We're we're making it through a whole semester with that one. Um, and there are, you know, there are a couple of other little ones that have, that have existed around there on average, uh, a, a church is looking like anywhere from, five to nine people, um, in a, in a gathering setting, our, our church that we're all a part of, we call it training church with the idea being, this is to train you, um, to reproduce it with other people. Mm. Um, and, uh, that training church averages anywhere from 10 to 20 people, depending on, depending on the week and time of the semester or school year. Um, but what we do is simple enough and is, uh, is basic enough that they can turn around and reproduce it in a dorm room. And this, this is where we, this is where we really function as leadership developers because it's uh, it's not that we necessarily need a certain number of churches in existence to accomplish the mission that there's a, there's going to be a point, a tipping point where that's the case. Um, but what we're doing is we're beginning to teach them to be resourceful, to be um, resourceful in reproducing what it is we do. You know, when it comes to baptizing people, well, where are you going to baptize people? Mm. You know, they're using the school pool um, uh, these days. Um, 
well, doing Lord's Supper together. Where are you going to buy implements for communion? Um, you know, if you're not leaving campus, so they're going to the market on campus and are, are uh, procuring their their uh, their elements for for the Lord's Supper. And uh, and we're trying to ask them to do things without needing us to be the ones as non-campus, you know, adults with money to be able to to pull strings and do things for them. Trying to help them learn to work in a setting where they've got to be more resourceful together. Um, and the same is true of starting gathering and, and starting identifying a church start and uh, beginning to recognize it as uh, a full-fledged church that is has identified together and is functioning as a church. Um, and then, uh, you know, saying, well, you guys need to name it. You need to figure out where you're going to meet. This is on you. You know, they, they can't expect us to come in and lead it. Um, or to, to do anything with it. In fact, that would be really strange um, yeah. in this setting. So, so at this point, it's just it's a major challenge. Um, one of the major challenges, I guess, then is um, whether students who are leading it have deep enough convictions about what it is they're doing that they're going to help it go from just being a neat little Bible study somewhere to being a church that sees itself as a church. Um, and so we're trying to help coach them through that stage right now um it's a it's an interesting place instead of in in a sense i like what you're saying you've only got this limited time Mm -hmm. uh church formation is hard uh but we're going to focus on developing leaders who are in the harvest sharing the gospel discipling new believers starting churches as tenuous as that is in that short period of time because our mission is to grow people who multiply disciples in churches and we we have two or three years with these with them and um, they're going to leave this campus knowing how to make disciples and start churches um, right. and so you, your mission has sort of shifted in a sense. It's still no place left, but your contribution are the, the workers that you, that you raise up, giving them real tasks to do on campus. Is that, does that sort of sum it up? Oh, that's a great way to put it, Steve. It, um, it's sort of like we're in a live fire scrimmage kind of setting. You know, this is real, this is real life. Um, people, um, people are coming to Christ. There is opposition. Um, you know, it's, it's the real deal. It's not just a game just because college life is not real life. You know, uh, they, they feel like it's real life when they're leaving home for the first time. It was the same for me when I was first, you know, beginning to, uh, walk down the college path, but it's not real life. Um, it, you still swipe this card with fake money on it. That's your parents' money for food from a cafeteria. And uh, unless I'm eating lunch with a student, that's not real life for me. Um, You know, I have to make breakfast. (laughs) Um, But uh, in this setting, what we're realizing is I'm, I'm at least questioning whether trying to accomplish the no place left vision is really even that important of an idea in our setting so much as it is building no place left leaders Mm. to begin exporting them um, 
so that CPM work or multiplying ministry um, in a college setting is never about reaching a college as if it could ever be reached and stay reached. Um, but instead it begins, it's a, it's a, it's a laboratory, um, a, a high stakes laboratory where we can begin developing our, our vision. We can develop our, our tools, our resources, our processes. Um, so this same guy, Matthew is one of a few guys that we've had, uh, with us where he has, he has helped us, um, train outside of our own context. In fact, we, we don't do that many trainings or train that many people in, um, in our, our college setting, like every single person who comes through gets 411 training. Mm-hmm. And then we begin rolling out simple tools one at a time, just week by week in our, in our meeting time as church. But when we, um, we look outside of the college campus as well, and we start getting them involved in some of that, we, we try to be careful about what we, what we take them out of their context to go do somewhere else. Um, but some of these guys have gone with us to um, help plan and execute a, a, a full one day training mm. for a local church in another part of the state. Um, you know, whether they're trying to reach college students or not. And they've uh, gone with us to some of the four day four field intensive trainings. Um, you know, we, uh, we flew together down to South Florida for one of the four day four fields trainings uh, in, in that area led by the South Florida team and some other folks. And some of these guys, you know, one was about to graduate um, one was a graduate who came with us that is now doing ministry in another setting. And one was a freshman and, and they're getting this training already. And so now we're, we're starting to think, how can we help load them up as much as we can without overloading them yes. with training, equipping experience, um, you know, principles and processes so that they have a full toolbox, um, and, uh, and a life of experience when they graduate, if I were an overseas, you know, cross-cultural worker, or if, um, you know, if I were leading, if I were in some city somewhere pastoring a church or was, was a city strategist, but didn't have anybody with me, I was building a team or something like that. I want the people that I'm trying to, to mobilize from our ministry after they graduate. I want them to be the kind of people that those other folks would, would beg God for. Mm. You know, these are the people that would be gifts from God to somebody else. That's what that's what our hope and desire is. Hey, thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the Movements podcast, why don't you spread the word on social media or, hey, just tell a friend. It'd be a great help. I'm Steve Addison for the Movements podcast.